part two. Pastor texted me and asked me if I wanted to preach. <laughs> what you want to text back is no, not really, <laughs> you know, but uh, here I am. So y'all, y'all get to hear me tonight. Come home after church this morning and uh, Chesney come in. She said her and her friends were back there talking after church or sometime this morning. And they, she said, my dad's preaching tonight. And one of the girls said, oh, really? She got all excited. I thought, man, that, that made me feel good. She wanted to hear me preach. And then they said, we're going to get out early, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> Heather and the kids want to know if they could stay home and watch a live stream. <laughs> it just goes on, I'm telling you. <laughs> I walked up the sidewalk, Thomas is out there, said, are you preaching tonight? Yep, his eyes got about that big, boy, we're going to get out early, aren't we? <laughs> so he's hiding in the back, but for Thomas, we're going to read Leviticus until it's at least 7 o'clock. We're staying here till 7 tonight. <laughs> Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. I do talk fast. I'll try to go slow, but no, I won't guarantee it because I'll get to going and I just start talking fast. I get on to Reagan all the time because she talks fast, but I'm just as bad. <clears throat> I was sitting up here this morning during the song service and I was grinning. And the guy that said this ain't even here tonight. He was supposed to have been back and he's not, and I'm not going to name names. But anyways, I was coming over after Sunday school and come in. Some of them were back there talking. This was family members talking to each other. And... Uh, they was talking about the grass or something. I didn't know what they was talking about. And then so I started asking him. He said, yeah, we was talking about so-and-so being short. And he said he stepped off the sidewalk and got lost in the grass. <laughs> I was going to tell him if he's here tonight, make sure he signs up to mow the grass this week so they can find that person. <laughs> but uh, we won't mention who that was. But anyway, let's all stand, if you would, Romans chapter 7. Verse 15 says, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. Well, that's a pretty true statement, isn't it? For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, Lord, that we can be here tonight. Thank you for your word and how precious it is to us. We'll take it and we'll look at it and we'll read it and we'll glean the truth from it. Open our eyes. We might see what you have for us tonight. Really, it's just talking about how good you are tonight. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> really, what this is just saying, we pretty much know this. We've heard this a lot of times. Paul is saying, what I should do, I have trouble doing. Anybody in here like that? We could all raise your hand. The things that I know I shouldn't do, that's what I do. That's just our sin nature, isn't it? And that's where we're at. And that's not really where we're going to dwell, but we're going to chapter 8 where we're going to be at. But 
if you will look at those verses and think of that verse where Paul is saying, oh, wretched man that I am. If you'll see yourself as that wretched person, chapter 8, boy, it is really, really good. It is really good. Have you ever been someplace, um, went on a vacation, and you come back, and you try to describe that to somebody else? Can you do it justice? No. I've, been to the, I've had the opportunity to go to Yellowstone. Oh, I love Yellowstone. I love the mountain. It's beautiful. And I come back and try to explain that. And I've done that even with the mountains. I've done that with the kids. And say, man, you're going to love the mountains. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they got to go last year. Am I not on? You just told me to take it off mute, buddy. Let me see here. Is that better? There we go. Maybe you want me on mute. I don't know. But we got to go to the mountains, and they got to see for themselves. They got to experience. They haven't been to Yellowstone. We just went to Colorado. But they got to experience the mountains for themselves. It's all the difference in the world. Heather's been to the Grand Canyon. She can tell me all about it, but I don't, I don't quite grasp it until I've seen it. Now, as I was thinking about chapter 8 here, we're going to get to in just a minute, and I thought about Moses when he was um, at the burning bush. You remember the burning bush? Um, and as he was walking along one day, he walks by, and he sees this bush burning. Would that not be neat? To be able to see that, to be able to experience that. Has anybody here seen a burning bush that never burned up? No, we've seen lots of seen burning bushes, but not that haven't burned up. But here's Moses walking along one day. He looks over and he sees that burning bush. All of us have heard time and time and time and time again about the burning bush, haven't we? But nobody in here has got to experience it. Wouldn't it have been neat to be Moses to experience it, to see it? But what if Moses would have just walked on by and never stopped and looked? He would have lost out on that experience, wouldn't he? And that time, that special time with God. And as I thought about that, you know, when we come to Sunday night, Wednesday night, and Sunday morning, a lot of times what we're doing is just hearing about the experience. Really. And, and, and hear me and listen to me just a minute because the pastor has studied and he preached. And like he said this morning, and if you've ever taught, if you've ever got up here and preached, you'll understand this. You're going to get a whole lot more. I get a whole lot more than you're going to get tonight. Uncle Jim, is that right? Jimmy, is that right? All these have taught. That's truth. And so what happens is so many times we hear about the burning bush and we haven't experienced it. We haven't experienced it. We're just satisfied with walking right. Here's the burning bush right here. This thing is alive. Yeah. It's got all different kinds of truths in there. But so many times we hear about it, but I'm just walking on by. I'm not experiencing it for myself. And here's where chapter 8 is. Boy, you have to, you have to get this. You, you need to go home and read this chapter for yourself. Chapter 8. Boy, it's a good chapter. It's a good chapter. So we'll just jump into this. Verse number 1 says, don't forget, go back to verse 24 of chapter 7. O wretched man that I am. Stop and, and think about yourself just a minute. Are you wretched? We don't really like to think we are. We are, yes, but do we really think of ourselves that way? Do we really think of ourselves as being that wicked? Paul looked at himself and said, man alive, I am wretched. I'm a wicked man. The things I should do, I'm not doing the things I shouldn't do. We know that. And then he comes to verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. There's no condemnation. You're not condemned. Think about this. Here you were on death row. On death row, and somebody comes along and comes to your cell one morning and says, the governor has pardoned you. What are you going to do? Great. And sit there? No. 
You're going to jump up and say, are you serious? You're joking. No way. That, that can't happen. You don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. He pardons you. That's what he's talking about. He said, man, I'm a wretched, dirty, rotten sinner. The things I should do, I'm having trouble. All of us struggle with that. But he says, you're pardoned. There's no condemnation. God doesn't condemn you anymore. My goodness, boy, that should get us excited. We're, not, we're off death row. How silly of us to sit in, in prison on death row when we could get up and walk out. But how many times do we sit right there? We sit there and stay on death row. I have been pardoned. Think about what we were and what we've been pardoned from. He saved us from a, a wretch. My goodness, he saved a wretch like me. That song that they sang a while back, Yes, I Know. That's what it's talking about. Verse 6. We're just going to go through a few of these verses. Let's read just a few there. There's some good ones here. There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. We don't, have to, we don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. I don't have to sit in that old jail cell. I can get up. I can walk out. I can live a free life because of what Jesus has done for me. Not what I've done, but what He's done. He's pardoned me. We can move forward. We can go on is what he's saying. He, he, he can look at that chapter 7 and say, my goodness, I see what I was, but boy, look what God's done. Look where I'm going, where I'm headed. That's what God's done for us. That's what this chapter is all about. For the law, verse 3, for what the law could not do, if you're living by the law, it can't do a whole lot for you. Oh, it's a rule book. But there's a whole lot more to it than that. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. He paid the price, didn't He? Amen. He paid the price. Let's go to verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. For to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is empty against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. I like that last part of verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And peace. The pastor talked about that this morning, if we trust in the Lord, how we can have that peace. That's really what he's talking about here again. We can have peace. Do we have that kind of peace? Why are Christians living, as he's talked about, we're not going to go back through all this, but why are Christians miserable? You know why? Because we're carnally minded. That verse right there says if we're spiritually minded, we're going to have life and we're going to have peace. And another passage talks about having life and having it more abundantly. Not just a humdrum normal life. We can have an abundant life. We can have an exciting life. We can have a peace-filled life. So look at your life. Is it peace-filled? If it's not, maybe we need to go back and examine our life a little bit. Say maybe we're not quite as spiritual as we think we are. Because you think about Stephen when he was being stoned. What did he say? You remember what he said? He looked at the people and he said, Father, lay not this sin to their charge. He was at peace with God. He wasn't struggling through the strife and the problems and the heartaches. He still had peace when Jesus was on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He had peace, didn't he? He had that peace while he was there on that cross. Paul, if you look over at... We're not going to go back over there, but in Philippians 4, verses 11 through 12, Paul says, I know what it is to be in want. He says, I know what it is to, be, uh, to abound, is what he says, to have enough, is what he's saying. He says, I know what it is to be in all those different straits. If you read, Paul says, I know what it is to be beat. I know what it is down the list of all of his troubles and his problems and his heartaches that he went through. But at the very end of Paul's life, he said, um, I have fought a good fight. 
I have finished my course. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown. He was at peace. He was at peace at the end of his life because why? He was spiritually minded. He wasn't dwelling on all those things. You know, a lot of times, a lot, and Christians, this is Christians, if we had just a little bit more money, it would sure make me happy. Everybody, yeah, that'd be good. I wouldn't mind having a little bit more. But it won't make you happy because I, you get a little bit more and then you need a little bit more. And you need a little bit more. A, a newer car, a newer house, a better job, a better spouse. Down the line, we could go with all these things. Some of y'all are laughing a little bit at that one there, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, if we could just have a little bit more, we'd be at peace. No, no. To be spiritually minded, God says to have peace. We can have that peace if we'll do it. Be spiritually minded to have that kind of peace. Verse number 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. We're debtors, aren't we? We owe a debt that you can never pay. I owe a debt I'll never be able to pay. Verse 13, For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We've been adopted into God's family. And as I was thinking about this, if there is an orphanage and somebody come in at this orphanage and say, we want to adopt these kids, would the kids get up and want to go? We would think they would. But maybe there's some that say, what's that person going to be like? What's that home going to be like? I'm comfortable where I'm at. And people talk about predestination, and Brother Davison covered that very well, didn't he? But... That's a choice. Those kids have to choose to go with that person. They've been adopted. The offer is there to be adopted into the family. It's a choice whether you want to take it or not. I am so thankful that God offers that adoption into the family. We can be a part of His family. Verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For if ye have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself, Beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and have children and heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, and so that be we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together. Look back at verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Do we really get that? I don't think we do. Every place you go, he's right there with you. Everything you say, he's right there with you. Everything I think, he's right there with me. He knows everything I'm doing. If we really believe that, we'd be a whole lot more careful what we do, what we say, where we go. He dwells within us. He dwells within us. These guys down here on the front, they like basketball. Not real good, but they like basketball. No, they're not bad. They like basketball. Now, I have no idea. I don't watch sports very much anymore. We used to watch a lot. My brother loves sports, still loves sports. If there's a basketball game on, we was watching it. I could care less. I don't mind watching a little bit. These guys like to watch sports still. Um, back in the day, it was the Celtics and the Lakers. My dad loved Larry Bird. Glenn loved the Lakers. 
and it was the Bulls with Michael Jordan. I liked Michael Jordan. I just liked to watch him play. Be like Mike, right? That was a milk commercial, I think. But just imagine if y'all was out on the basketball court and Michael Jordan come out. Well, we probably wouldn't be able to play. We'd fall over because he was here. But if, if somehow a little bit of his skill could rub off on you, that'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? Yeah. Maybe they think it already has. It hasn't. It hasn't. <laughs> but just to think if, if Michael Jordan's skills could rub off on them, and if somehow, if it was possible that he could indwell them, and as you're dribbling down the court, in your mind, even if he could tell you, dribble this way, dribble this way, spin this way, do this, how much better of a basketball, even if he could coach you, how much better of a basketball player would you be? A tremendous help, wouldn't it? But we have the Holy Spirit that's living in us that he's saying, oh, don't go there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, do this, do this. And we don't listen. The Holy Spirit's living within us. We have somebody a whole lot better than Michael Jordan or any whatever sports figure you want to put in there. We have somebody that's dwelling within us that's saying, do this, do that, don't do, guiding our life. But so many times we push him back. How foolish of these boys to say, Michael Jordan, we don't want your advice. We, we got this covered. No, we'd say, guys, come on. Here's the best, one of the best players of all time. You would want his advice. We got the best. Amen. Amen. We need his advice. We need his advice. Take it. Use it. The living God is one. Just imagine. What do you mean about this verse, God? He'll tell us. If we're really serious about this stuff, he'll do that. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know that what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit is... Let me start over. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with the groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Go over to verse 30, 34, the very last part it says, Who also maketh intercession for us. Do you understand that, that Holy Spirit, the one we just talked about, that dwells within us, is praying for us? He's praying for you. That's what he says. He makes intercessions. And the pastor talked about that advocate the other night, uh, how he is doing that and going to the father for us. But he is praying. Can't you imagine the, pro the prodigal son's father was praying for him? He was. He was praying for him. When, when you are getting, going away from God, I believe the Holy Spirit's praying to God for you. Saying, so would you help direct them back? Would you bring them back to you? Would you cause some circumstance to come into their lives that they might come back to you? Whenever you have a decision to make, don't you think that he's praying for you? When you have something that you're having trouble, you can't even in your mind, in your spirit, you can't even... Voice it. It's just you don't, we don't understand it. He's still making intercession for us. We have the Holy Spirit praying to God for us. If Blake was to get in trouble, Blake's getting old enough that he don't get too many spankings anymore. <laughs> he hadn't got one for a long time. But Blake, if he was to get in trouble, and he would go talk to his mother. He's in trouble with me. And he goes talk to his mother and says, Mom, Dad is so mad right now. He doesn't understand what's going on. Would you go talk to him? And she comes and talks and makes that intercession that Abbas he was talking about, but she's interceding on his behalf to me. Mm -hmm. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. 
I'm not saying that God gets mad at us in that sense of the way, sense of the word, but she can smooth some things over sometimes that I just don't see. And the Holy Spirit's in, doing that for us. He's going to God and interceding for us. Well, we should take advantage of that. We should be constantly, and that's why it's so important not to quench the Spirit, not to grieve the Spirit. That way the Spirit is there and can make that intercession for us. Have the Holy Spirit on your side. That's a, a good place to be, isn't it, with God on our side. Verse 31. Verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If, um, if I told you tonight that, and it don't matter who the person is, but let's just say Donald Trump because he's a billionaire. Any billionaire, any millionaire you want to put in his place. They come up to you and they said, your debts are my debts. <laughs> yeah, all right, good deal. I got your back, he would say. Whatever you owe, you owe $100,000 in your house, Psh, that's nothing. $200,000, what's that to Donald Trump, to a billionaire? It's nothing. I'll take care of that. You want to go buy a new car? Go get it. I got your back. Would you get excited about that if all your debts could be wiped off the books right now? Yeah, I would be too. Like, I'm debt free until tomorrow and I go buy something else and then there I am again. But he would have that covered too. We get excited about that, but then we read this verse, if God be for us, who can be against us? Would you rather have Donald Trump on your side or God on your side? Huh. No, be honest. <laughs> be honest. We should be getting excited. God's on our side. He's got our back. He's, he's the maker, the creator, the shepherd. He is for me. He's for me. Verse 17 says, and if the children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. You are an heir. If you are saved tonight, this is just all about good stuff, isn't it? About God. If you are saved tonight, you are a joint heir with God. What He owns, you own. What He owns, you own. What's He own? The Bible says He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You own half of that. He owns all the gold because the streets in heaven are paved that we have half of that. That's ours. Amen. But we just look over and like, man alive, why in the world am I down the dumps? Why don't I have anything? We have it all. We have it all. If God be for us, who can be against us? Nobody. Nobody can be against us. He's for us. Verse 34, who is he that condemneth? Once we're back to that, there's no condemnation, but he says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercessions for us. Who is he that condemneth? Who can condemn you? Who's it say? Who's it say right there? Christ. Christ can condemn you. Is he going to? No. Go on. Who is even at the right hand of God, who maketh intercession for you? Who shall separate um, us from the love of Christ? And he goes on down through there. God's not going to condemn you. He's already said there's no condemnation, but he's the one that's making intercession for you. Amen. That's what he's saying. He say, who can condemn you? So many times we, we get so down on ourselves and we think, man alive, I've messed up, I've done this. And uh, we're just condemned. Christ is the one that can condemn you, and He's already said He's not going to condemn you. We should be lifting our head up and say, hey, that doesn't mean it's just a free license to sin. The lady that was, the men was coming and brought her in the act of adultery, remember that? And He wrote on the ground, they all left. And God said to her, He says, 
Where are thine accusers? No man condemn, I, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He said, I don't condemn you. But I left out a little phrase. Paul is saying this. He said, it is Christ that died. We should stop and think. Last week was uh, Easter and we talked about the resurrection. We talked about the death of what Jesus did on the cross. But he, he, he didn't stop when he said, it is Christ that died. Yea, rather, it is, it, that is risen again. He looks at He's not dead. He's not dead. He's alive. He's in heaven. And because of what he did on the cross, we don't have to have condemnation. We can move forward for him. That should be exciting. We go back and remember what Christ did for us. Think about his death. Think about his resurrection and what he did. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. Nothing can God cause God not to love you. When I turn my back on God, He still loves me. When I sin, He still loves me. When I don't love Him, He still loves me. When He disciplines me, He still loves me. A person that is without Christ, He still loves them. He still loves them. Nothing can separate us from His love. From His love. Wyatt, come here. Just a minute, please. Stand down here. Believe I come here. <clears throat> They was asking if I was going to use anybody for illustrations. I said, who wants to do it? Levi said, get one of the girls. They never have to help. <laughs> <laughs> you go over there and stand. All right. Come up here a little bit. You face him. Okay. Now, Levi, I want you to do everything you can. Wyatt, don't let him get me. Okay, don't let him get me. Don't get rough and hurt him now. <laughs> so I have to pay the bill. You try to get me. Now, wait a minute. You say... That's not, is this a fair fight? No. That's exactly what I'm trying to get across. It's not a fair fight. God is on my side. Satan's over here. It's not a fair fight. It never has been a fair fight. It never will be a fair fight. Now God, you better protect me, okay? All right. Come on, Levi. Come on. You can do better than that. Look. Okay. God, come on. Don't stop. Don't be, devil, devil works harder than that. Okay, you can stop a minute. Now look. <laughs> and he is a little devil sometimes. Ask his sisters. <laughs> He's trying to get to me as a Christian. God, of course God don't have to do anything. Just tell him. But did you know what I was doing the whole time? I was keeping God between me. No matter where he came. Why don't we do that as Christians? God says, what can separate us? Satan wants to separate me from God. Now, he can't separate us from the love of God. God loves us no matter what. No matter what. But sometimes he likes to separate us. Keep God between you and the devil. Get right up here close. Is this uncomfortable for you? <laughs> keep, keep God close. So, here's what the devil does. Come back and sit down here, Levi. You stay there, God. So I'm here close to God. He backs off for a while. He says, you know, he's close to God. 
I'm not going to get to him. God is a lot bigger than him. He knows that. Satan knows that. So what he's going to do, he's smart. He's sneaky. (laughs) The devil is sneaky. He's watching as a roaring lion seeking. He's looking for people that he can devour. And he knows when I'm here he can't do it. So So you know what? We get comfortable, don't we? We get comfortable. And so I think, you know what? I'm going to do something else. A temptation comes along, whatever it might be, and I do it. I step away. We're still pretty close. We're still pretty close. He's watching. He's sitting here watching. The devil is. And I get comfortable here. So another temptation. God hasn't moved. I've moved. And we get comfortable. He's watching. I keep, keep on. I don't have to get too far. Now get up and come right here. Has he separated us? Has he separated us? No. I have. I have separated myself from God. I'm the only one that can separate myself from God. Satan can't get me away from God. It's me. It's me. We don't take advantage, do we, of that. So I'm over here. All right, Levi, I want you to try Try to get me again like we're wrestling at home, okay? You ready? Go. Oh, you do better than that. (laughs) Come on, you do better than that at home. (laughs) You know what? All right, stop. (laughs) Stop before he gets me. (laughs) Just that little bit, I'm breathing just a little bit hard. We got to (laughs) stop. But you know what? If we did that very long, he's going to catch me. I'm going to trip because I'm getting older. He's going to catch me. And there was no need for it. If I'd have stayed over here close to God, I'd have to do all that running. I'd have to get all wore out from trying to get away from him. And we think, I can do it. I can stay one step ahead of him. One step ahead of him. He's not going to get me until I trip, until I fall. So I'm going to be running. Just come with me. I'm down here and I can say, help, or help, Wyatt. Help, God. Help. I can do that. Could he come and help me? He could. He could. That's not usually, he, he will give us that help, but that's not usually how that works. What, you know what I need to do? Get right back up here. Get back up here. Get back between us. All right, y'all sit down. Thank you. Get back, let God be the, the buffer. Quit wearing ourselves out. We wonder why we're so wore out all the time. Because we're trying to run and get away from him. And then he gets us down and he can defeat us, can he? Nothing can separate us but us. If you're lost tonight, what you need to do is just what I did, run back to God. Go to him. He's the only one that can help you. And then lastly, and we'll be done. Verse 24. For we are saved by hope. What's another word for that? What's another word for hope? Faith. Faith. For we are saved by hope. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For grace you saved through faith. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for. It's kind of like you're thinking about a vacation. You're going to get to go on. I'm going to get to go on a vacation. And you're anticipating that. And you've never been to this place before. I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get to see this place. But it's not until next year. 
and you just have to wait patiently. That's not easy to do, is it? And then in verse 18, Paul says, For I reckon, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Look at that. For I reckon that the sufferings, what you're going through right now, I don't care what it is. That's what Paul, Paul none of us have suffered like Paul has suffered. None of us have went through what he did. He says, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. You remember, think about the best Thanksgiving meal that you could ever remember. All the turkey, the ham, all the food you have out here. And, um, and you just got done eating and you're stuffed. We just talked about smorgasbords before church tonight. You go and you fill up, don't you? You say, man alive, I can't eat another bite. I'm so full. Mom, grandma, whoever comes around starts taking all the plates, picking all those up. And if you've been at camp and you've heard Brother Rule, he's preached on this, and I love this sermon. She says, keep your fork. What for? The best is yet to come. <laughs> says, keep your fork. I'm so full, but I'll save room. It don't matter how full I am. I always have room for dessert. I don't know if y'all are that way. I always have room for something sweet. I just do. Save your fork. The best is, that's what he's talking about right here. The best is yet to come. How many in, in, in this room could say that you have not been blessed? Nobody could say that, I don't think. Everybody here drove, I'd assume. Did anybody walk here tonight? No, we all drove. How many of you have another change of clothes at home in your closet? Yeah. How many of you got, got something ready to eat tonight when you get home or can get it out of the fridge? Yeah. We've been blessed. We've been blessed. If we're really honest, we'd have to say we're full. But he's saying the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. That's how good God is to us. He takes care of us here. He blesses us here. And he says, hang on, guys. Keep your fork. Heaven's coming. Heaven's coming. We have, we can't, I can't understand heaven. I never will be able to until I get there. But just to think about that, just to think about the streets of gold. In my Father's house are many mansions. The... the, the the feast that we're going to have. Get to see Jesus face to face. The best is yet to come. God is so good to us, isn't he? He's so good to us. That's why Isaiah 9, 6 says, His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. Why don't we start praising him now for that stuff that he's done for us? He doesn't condemn us. He gives us a full life of peace. If we will dwell on the spiritual things. He gives us purpose in our life. The Holy Spirit not only guides us and protects us. He prays for us on our behalf. God is for me. He loves me. Nothing can separate us from that love. The only thing that can separate us is me. Are you separated from God tonight? I have no idea. You do. God knows. If you are, maybe you need to come and say, God, I need to get back close to you again. This is a good place to come to, to get you close to him. Maybe you just need to come and say, God, thank you for your goodness. Go home and read chapter 8 and dwell on it. Don't just hear about it. See the burning bush for yourself. Look at it for yourself. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you have shown us.
can separate us. Help us to get back close to you where we need to be and that we would not allow the devil uh, to gain access of our life and to defeat us. Help us to do what you want us to do. Thank you again for loving us. Oh, what love you had for us, dying on the cross, giving, us, giving your life that we might not be condemned. Thank you for that. These things we ask, amen. Let's all stand, if you would, for just a minute. Bow your heads if you need to come.